Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our Sunday morning service. Uh, particularly if you're with us for the first time, either online or in the building, it's great to have you with us. Or if it's the first time back for some time, it's great to be able to see you again. This morning, we're continuing our series in 1 Peter, uh, looking at chapter 3. And there's one verse in the middle of that passage which summarizes really what we believe in as uh, Christians and why we're here this morning. Um, I think it might appear on the, the screen behind me, but let me read it for you. It says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Jesus was perfect in his innocence, but died for us, who are guilty because we've broken God's laws, and in our hearts have worshipped other things, other people, instead of God. Because Jesus was innocent, it was enough for him to die once, and for his death to pay for our guilt, so that we can be forgiven and our relationship with God restored. And that's why as we come together this morning, our worship is acceptable to God, and we come to worship a risen Lord Jesus Christ, who is alive today, and who reigns over this world at his right hand. So let's pray as we start our service together. Father God, we thank you that Jesus was willing to give up his life for our sakes so that we can be brought to you, so that we can become acceptable in your sight. We thank you for the work that you have begun in us and have promised to bring to completion. And we pray this morning as we praise you, as we listen to you speak to us through your word, that you'd help us to grow in holiness that you'd help us to become more faithful to you in the witness of our whole lives. Father God, we thank you that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, your special possession, that by your mercy you have called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. We thank you that by your spirit you've enabled us to step into the light and walk in the light and not allowed us to become engulfed by the, the spiritual darkness around us. And all where we feel drawn into the darkness and are more at home following the ways of the world, we pray for your forgiveness and protection. Where we fail to reflect your light into the world, forgive us, we pray. And where we're tempted to respond to evil with evil, Again, we pray for your forgiveness. Create in us a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within us. Fathers, we've heard from David about the situation in India. We are reminded of the challenges of living in a fallen and broken world, where there's illness and suffering. And we pray that in your mercy you would restrain the spread of COVID in India any further, that you would protect the homeless those living far from hospitals. We pray you'd remove the anxiety from those who, who feel physically vulnerable, as well as those who fear the loss of their income. Continue to sustain David and Binny in their own health, we pray, as well as in their ministry to others, in particular those who are unable to access the online ministry at this time. As we think about the world, Lord, we do pray also for the situation in Israel at this time. We pray for an end to the, the bloodshed. We pray that those sides would find peace 
and be able to live at peace with one another. Father, we thank you for this church family and for the love we have for for one another. We thank you that you've been drawing people into this family. Thank you for the time that Jamie and Esther have spent with us. And as uh, they move on now, we do pray that that moving process would go smoothly. We pray particularly for Esther as she starts her new job, that she would settle in well and be a faithful witness for you in the workplace. And we pray that you would enable them to find a new spiritual home where they can grow in their love for you. And may they take to heart that verse to not be anxious, but to trust in you in all things and find your peace. And we pray for others for whom this verse may be helpful at this time, for the Guthries as they move for home this week to Haddenham, particularly with Lyle's recent uh, hospital visit. Pray for Nigel Smith and Juanita Hughes as they await further investigations and for others struggling with ongoing chronic illness. May you grant them all healing, strength, and endurance. Pray for the visit of Saab and his wife Karen next week, and pray for the guidance of your spirit, that if he is the person that you want to be the new pastor in this church, then you would make that clear to us as a church, and also to them. And finally, we pray for the reading and preaching from your word now this morning, that through it, you'll be doing a powerful work in us as we grow in our love for one another, as we revere Christ in our hearts, and as we become better prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Our reading this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 8 to 22. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, and love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil, or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. 
He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And after being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight and all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. May God bless this word to us. Amen. Thank you, Martin. Let's just uh, take a moment to pray together. Father God, we pray that you would speak to us through your word this morning. Uh, We pray that you would help us to calm our minds, settle our hearts, that you would fill us uh, afresh with your word, that we might live for you and your glory and enjoy you forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I wonder what might keep you going as a Christian when times get hard. Because life can be really difficult, can't it? Like, how do you prevent yourself from losing your temper if you are hard-stressed, sleep-deprived, and the work is piling up? How do you love your classmates at school when they just make fun of you for being a Christian? How do you stop yourself from being selfish when you are at times struggling, struggling maybe with your health or just feeling burdened by life? What does Jesus have to say about that? Well, as we continue in our series, uh, looking through First Peter, written around 60 AD to the churches in what is now modern-day Turkey, last week uh, we addressed the theme of submission Submission in different parts of life. And in this morning's message, we'll look at the theme of suffering. Suffering for the Lord and yet persevering. Persevering as we speak of the hope that Jesus gives us. And we'll see that we can persevere in three different ways. Persevere as we love others supernaturally, as we fear God, not man, and as we live for the risen Lord. So firstly, as we think about loving others supernaturally, the apostle Peter has previously spoken about how Christians can and should submit in certain situations of life. And now he turns his attention to all Christians, to all people in the church, whatever their situation, saying, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. In the light of the persecution happening in Turkey, what is modern-day Turkey today, Peter wants them to display love for one another. And so he he fires off a list at them, and he says to them, be like-minded, be sympathetic, loving, compassionate, and humble. He wants them to be united and loving. As others in the world maybe pursue selfish gain and trample everyone in their path to their goal, well, the people of God should be the very opposite of that. 
They should be humble and united in love. And I think maybe the ESV translation of this verse, verse 8, has a lovely phrase because it says that we should really be, we should be like this, having a tender heart and a humble mind. It's a powerful picture really of how we should live as Christians, that our interactions with one another should be that of a tenderness of heart. That we would be tender with those in the church family. No matter their background, no matter their opinion or point of view. And we're called to be humble in our mind. We can't think of ourselves better than other people. Because we're not. We're all sinful people, saved by God's grace. And that should humble us. And at the end of the day, we don't really know everything. Only God does. And that should keep us humble. Because we only know what he's revealed to us today. Therefore, the way that we treat each other should be marked by humility. To not do so is really to deny God's grace in our lives. Therefore, as disciples of Jesus, we should be people who are, who are learners. Humble learners. We want to graciously learn and understand different people's points of view as we would strive to maintain the unity that Christ gives us in the gospel, in the local church. And as we live this out as a church family, and only when we live this out as a church family, are we then able to turn to the world outside us and respond in a loving and a supernatural way. As the apostle Peter declares in verse 9, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. He calls all Christians, every Christian, everywhere, to be radically different in how they respond to evil and insults. He wants his readers and us today as believers to respond in a way completely unlike those outside the church when they respond with harsh words, criticism, and passive-aggressive remarks. No, he says, we're not to respond like that. Instead, we're not to repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with a blessing. And we don't, we don't earn heaven, but it's our heavenly inheritance, which we freely receive as God's children in Christ. And therefore, our response should be that of a supernatural love. A supernatural love that can only really be explained by the power of the gospel working in our hearts. It reminds me really of the story of a lady, a Christian lady, whose boss at work was a bit of a bully and a tyrant. The only thing she would receive from him was harsh comments and passive-aggressive remarks. Whatever she did was never good enough. And so really at her wit's end and about to resign with a letter of resignation in her hand, her Christian friend came along to her and said, how might you respond in a Christ-like way? Or in other words, how might you respond with the evil and insult that comes your way with blessing? And so she thought, I know, I know what I'll do. I'll bake a cake. 
And so she made this enormous layered extravagant chocolate cake and placed it on her boss's desk in the morning just before he arrived for work. And when he arrived, he searched the office saying, who made me this cake? Who was it that made me the cake? And then he arrived to the lady and said, did you make me this cake? To which he said, yes. And he said, well, why would you make me a cake? I've treated you horrendously. Why would you bake me that cake? And she said, well, because God has blessed me so much in my Lord Jesus Christ, how can I not be a blessing to others? Because you see, friends, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And whilst our boss, he didn't come to Jesus Christ that day, she did get treated much better. And she ended up staying at her job because she had not repaid evil with evil or insult with insult, but with a blessing. What might that look like for you and where you're placed in your life? When your friends at school mock you for being a Christian, how might you respond to them with blessing? Maybe when your non-believing husband just belittles you for your faith, how might you prayerfully, lovingly respond in blessing? When your boss, colleagues, or your neighbors just think you strange for being a Christian and following Jesus, how can you reach out and proactively bless them? Not that we would earn heaven, but because that we have every spiritual blessing already in Christ. As to bless others sometimes means to bless them and serve them, and other times it means to stay silent. Because as it says, forever, for whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must learn from evil. They must, they must, not, they must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I wonder perhaps if you can relate maybe to my own story of coming to know Jesus. That in the early days, I realized that the more I spoke, the more I sinned. The more words I used, the more aware I became of my sin. And it speaks about that in Proverbs. It says, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. It is to say that the more words that spew out of our mouth, the more likely we are to sin. But the more that we see God as holy, who cleanses us from our sins, then the more we want to hold our tongue and live for him. Now, our words, we shouldn't be looking to tear people down and gossip and slander and engaging in that in the staff rooms and the break rooms and wherever God places us. But no, we, we are to pursue good, and we do that often by holding our tongue. Verse 12 as well has a really beautiful phrase motivating us to do this. As verse 12 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. It's a lovely phrase because God looks on us and smiles upon us because of Jesus. Because we're in Christ, he 
delights in us. As he hears our prayers in his name. Therefore, there's a sense of comfort in that. A real comfort. That when we are insulted, the Lord looks on us still and he delights in us. But, as Peter goes on in verse 12, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Therefore, we seek to win many as we seek to bless them. We seek to bless them knowing that there is a day of judgment coming. And that day will be horrendous. Horrendous for those outside of Christ. As the Lord's face is against them. And will punish them eternally for their sin. Therefore today we show blessing. Blessing and blessing on everyone that they would come to know Jesus. As we just respond to God in what he has done for us. In blessing us in every way. And we want to do that both in blessing and in reverence. As we fear God not man. In the light of persecution, Peter asks the rhetorical question, well, who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? He's really saying that, well, people might harm you if you speak uh, to bless, if you seek to bless other people, but it's far more likely that, it's far more likely they'll respond in a positive way. And yet he says, but even if they do, uh, even if You should suffer for what is right. You are blessed. But do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. And so we're not to fear people's threats or be frightened of how they might respond to us. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. In other words, do not fear man, but revere Christ. The fear of man will... It will keep us quiet. But revering Christ will make us speak. And whilst we won't lose our life, we probably won't lose our life here in the UK in sharing our faith, we might fear the consequences of living for Christ. We might share feeding our faith, sharing our faith at work or boldly living out the gospel with colleagues. We might fear the reactions of classmates as we live and speak for Jesus in school or university. We might suffer from what's called FOMO, that is the fear of missing out. As we might not be the most popular person in school because we're a believer, because we follow Jesus. But ultimately, we need to remember who we follow. That we would ultimately not fear man, but revere Christ as Lord. And therefore, in light of that, we live Boldly, boldly for him, as the Apostle Peter calls us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. As we live for Christ, our lives should begin to be transformed. As we live in a really supernatural way to bless everyone. 
Interestingly, when it comes to sharing the gospel, in this passage, the method isn't approaching other people to tell them about Jesus. But the method is that they approach you as they see how radically your life is. Radical as you seek to bless everyone. Even those who insult you. And as we do that, God will give you the opportunity to share the gospel. As we do that in a winsome way. Not in an arrogant way, but seeking to bless and serve and share the hope that we have with gentleness and respect. And this might seem radical to bless those who insult you. But really it's basic Christianity. That all of us, every Christian, should be doing this. Seeking to bless others even when they insult you. Because that is exactly what Jesus Christ did. That's when he was mocked, beaten, spat upon, and crucified. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And we respond in a supernatural way as we follow our Savior and his supernatural love for us on the cross, taking our sins upon himself, that we would not receive curse, but blessing in abundance. And therefore, our response to everyone everywhere is blessing, 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 and blessing. As Christ has showered his love and blessing upon us, that the only response that comes out of our mouth, that comes out of our lives, is blessing. Because it's only because of Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension that we can live this out as we live for the risen Lord. Because it says in verse 18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. <clears throat> it is that, that Christ paid the ultimate payment and penalty for our sins on the cross, that anyone who believes in him will not perish, but be brought to God and have eternal life. As Christ died for us, that we would live for him. And just as Jesus died for our sins on the cross, the Spirit of God made him alive in the resurrection. As Peter goes on in verse 19, after being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, where the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And so we see that Jesus was raised, was raised from the dead and made alive, and he went and proclaimed to the imprisoned spirits. Now, in these difficult verses from verse 19 to 22, there are some questions that come up. Who, who are these spirits? Where are they? And thirdly, what did Jesus preach to them? So, firstly, who the spirits are considered by most commentators to be non-human spiritual beings. That is that they are fallen angels or in the New Testament language, demons. As for where 
there's a couple of passages in the New Testament. Jude 6 is one of them. It helps in shedding just a little bit of light on it. And it says, And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains, for judgment on the great day. And therefore, the, the imprisoned spirits are fallen angels or demons who disobeyed God in the days of Noah. And Christ, after his resurrection, went to preach to them. Some believe this to be hell. Others believe it to be a demonic underworld. There are different views on that. So we have who did he preach to, where did he preach, and then ultimately what did he preach Well, if we follow the flow of the passage, we see what Jesus preached. In verse 18, we see that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins on the cross in his death. And then verse 19, after being made alive in the spirit and the resurrection, he preached to the imprisoned spirits that he would go into heaven. As it says in verse 22, that after his resurrection, Jesus Christ has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Therefore, Jesus preached his victory over sin on the cross. He preached his victory over death in his resurrection. And he preaches his authority and power over the dominion of powers and darkness because of his ascension to heaven at the right hand of the Father. As it says in Philippians 2, God exalted him, that is Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He is Lord of all the universe and reigns at the right hand of the Father. Because all authority on heaven, in heaven and earth and under the earth has been given to Jesus Christ, our Lord. He has defeated sin and death and is Lord of all creation, ruling over every spiritual realm on earth and under the earth. Because there is no place anywhere where Jesus Christ is not Lord. But why does that matter? Why is that important? Well, it matters because the Apostle Paul is writing to persecuted Christians. Struggling to persevere in their faith. Just as many of us are struggling to persevere in ours. Peter wants to reassure them that Jesus Christ has defeated sin and death and overcome the powers of darkness. Therefore, there is nothing that can separate us from his presence. There is nothing that can separate us from his love. As the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, 
neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because Jesus Christ has victory over sin and death and reigns in heaven as Lord of all. Nothing is out with his control and nothing can separate us from his love. The question for you this morning is, is Jesus Christ your Lord? Is he your Lord? Is he the Lord of your life, the Lord who you want to live for? Because if he is, then as Apostle Peter says, well, you will be baptized. It's not the removal of dirt from the body, as he says, but it is a declaration that you have died to your old self and you live for Jesus Christ and the resurrection power that he gives you by his Holy Spirit. Because you want to make the pledge of a clear conscience towards him. As Jesus has paid for your sins and is now Lord of your life. He is Lord. And the question is, is he you Lord, you, your Lord? And if he is your Lord and you have not been baptized, won't you do that? Won't you come and be baptized? We're baptizing two people very soon and we would love it to have more people part of that to declare Jesus Christ as the saviour of their sins and the Lord of their life let's pray Father God we thank you for your amazing love for us that we can respond uh, in a supernatural way by the power of your spirit that we don't need to respond uh, from the insults and evil that we respond but we respond in blessing as we revere you in our hearts that we would live for you and speak of the hope and the blessing that we've received in you and we thank you lord that you you reign over everything over all the realms of darkness you have defeated sin and death on the cross and you are in control of all things that nothing Nothing can separate us from your love. And so we pray, we pray, Father, that you would help us to live for you. If there is any of us that want to be baptized, that desire to follow you as, as you are their Lord and Savior, we pray that you would work in our lives, Lord, that we would live for you. We pray this in our King Jesus' name, in his name. Amen. Please take a seat. Well, we've been challenged in many ways, haven't we, this morning in terms of how we live the life of a Christian in a world in which we may face persecution and suffering. How do we respond in a godly way? Uh, it's been a great encouragement, though, isn't it, to know that Christ died, he was raised to life, he was exalted at the right hand of the Father. Now he reigns on high. He has all authority. That gives us great encouragement as we go from here to know that that is the case. Uh, We've also been left with a challenge. Is he your Lord? And uh, maybe if you haven't made that decision before, maybe now is the time to make it, whether you're listening online 
or you're here in the building. And if that is the case for you, then uh, as uh, Colin said, why not come forward and be baptised, as the Lord commands us to do, in obedience to him. Uh, do have a word with Colin or myself. Um, I would love to, to hear from you. I'd love to talk to you about what that means. So do feel free to do that. I would urge you and encourage you to do that. Let's close now with some words from Romans 12. Love with all sincerity. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.